we're talking about like how long is it going to take for the OnePlus 9, the OnePlus 8 series to get upgraded to Android 13, like probably well into Q1 2023. Uh, I, I have OnePlus 10 Pro got stable Android 13 in September and then nine got it in November. Really? Yeah. No, they actually were fast, fast this time. <laughs> okay, Jules, you'll have to I'm cut around this. You're wrong. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, we are recovering from a very, very long Black Friday weekend. So bear with us as uh, we forget our words even more than regularly. (laughs) Um, This week, we're also talking about uh, some fines levied against Google, a first look at the Pixel 7a. OnePlus has a brand new strategy for competing with Samsung and, and Google, and uh, it's not that different than it was just last year. Um, we also have uh, some Elon news. Uh, this one is kind of directly tied to the podcast in a weird way. We'll talk about that. I'm sure you've heard about it. If you haven't, I'd be very surprised. And then it's uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple wrapped. Uh, we'll get to why that is such a popular cultural all mark every year. I don't know. I like it. I like receiving my Spotify wrapped playlist, even though Will, as we were talking about, it doesn't really bring us any new no, information. Because none of us are listening to new stuff. It's just the same 50 songs while we type away on a keyboard. Basically. Ara, what about you? What does your playlist look like this year? Um, I don't know. Let's see if YouTube Music is finally deigned to give me my yearly recap because I was still on my, yes, it just came in. Let's see. I was hearing that Apple made everybody work really hard for theirs this year. Which, you know, they were beating Spotify to the punch by like 24, 48 hours. And then apparently everyone's glitched out on them and Spotify's came in right on time. So I guess they should probably figure that out next year. Well, there's nothing super exciting on mine. It's a lot of NA music, pop, and some alt rock. And then Daughtry, because I absolutely adore Daughtry. It's so funny. I use YouTube music for my daughter, and all of my songs on that wrapped or roundup are like Encanto, Encanto, yeah. Encanto. Yeah. Do you want to hear some more Encanto? I'm like, no, I never ever want to hear Encanto <laughs> ever again. I actually had a tweet that was in my sitting in my drafts for a while that was ranking the songs on the Encanto album, like from one to whatever, because like I've heard it so many times by now that I have a definitive rank for every song on that playlist. So what rank uh, did Under Pressure get? Uh, I don't know. I have to pull it up, but it's it's <laughs> like Under Pressure lost a lot of ground over the course of a few months. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's a great song. It just doesn't have the same repeatability as some of the others. Whoa. All right, I'll give, I'll give you my top. I'll give you my top three. So okay. Dos Oruguitas Dos is number one by far. That is just like a beautiful, timeless song. I really like it. It is. I think Waiting on a... No, no, not Waiting on a Miracle. Um, we don't talk about Bruno, number two. Just like, it's it's a great song. Awesome pop song. And then, where's the the last song? The one that rounds everything up. All of You is like mm-hmm. number three. Because it's just like, it's got everything in there. But then there's a lot more. And I, I don't, I don't want to bore you if you're not interested in children's music. But it's a good, <laughs> it's a, it's a good uh, soundtrack. <laughs> It's just like I heard it so many times in 2022 that I really did feel like I was being tortured at some point. And like 
why not turn that torture into good content is what I was thinking. <laughs> exactly. I will say I purposefully will not listen to Encanto on YouTube music because YouTube music has a tendency to just like dial into a couple of songs and then serve them up to you again and again and again. And I knew so that does for Spotify. This yeah. is true. But I use YouTube music. But I knew that if I allow if I favorited any one of those songs, I would be hearing nothing but that soundtrack for the next like six months. And I just didn't want to deal with that. I'm happy with what it already has me pegged at right now. One of my top five Spotify songs is the is the reason it's there is not because I am I love it and obsessed with it is it's it, it's a good song but it's because it's the one that Spotify always gives to me when a playlist ends and it starts it's like because it Spotify just wants endless playback so it serves up songs to me and for some I'm reason so it's the same song turn that off on YouTube every time oh no I like I don't mind it because usually I'm writing and I don't even notice that like a given playlist has ended until I hear this song and I'm like. Oh, I guess uh, I guess that was 50 songs. I guess I guess my daily mix is done. Right. Yeah. So so that that is that was able to creep its way to number three just based on the fact that Spotify's endless play is a little broken. Yeah. Yeah. I have this exact same issue. Like the top my top two songs of the year were the songs that just played. Yep. I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah. you hear the song. Yep. You're giving signals to Spotify that you like the song. Yeah, I don't you're skip not, it. You're not skipping it. Yeah. So it is a, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, bit of a catch 22. Anyway, let's talk tech. The first story we're going to talk about is a $9.2 million fine that the FTC is trying to levy against Google for deceptive ad practices that happened in 2019. So this is a really interesting story. If you're on YouTube or on YouTube, on Twitter, and you follow any influencers, uh, you will see gift from Google hashtag on anything that somebody posts or creates to disclose that they have received this product, usually a Pixel phone, as a gift from Google. Now, back in 2019, Google did the same thing. It sent a whole bunch of influencers a Pixel 4 or Pixel 4 XL and then had them talk about this product. But the Pixel 4 and Pixel 4 XL, these influencers did not disclose that Google actually gifted them these phones. So they would say things like, I love my Pixel 4. It's my favorite phone. I use it all the time. Motion sense is great. I actually have a use for well, it. Well, even one and, step further than that, they hadn't even used the phones yet. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's that's the thing is that most of them had never even Yeah, they used hadn't the even phone. touched it, which is like, it's even further than being like, oh, I got this for free. It's like, you don't even know what Night Sight looks like. Or was it called Night Sight at that point? Yeah. You don't even look, yeah, yeah. know what Night Sight looks like. Like you, you just, you're like, yeah, thanks. Google, and then it probably says Twitter for iPhone under it, and that's a whole other thing. But so, I mean, this is not unusual. It is nice to see the FTC trying to crack down on this. Most of this happened on the iHeartMedia radio network, and iHeartMedia and Google are joint defendants in this, uh, or not defendants, but I guess they're they're joint uh, in having to pay the nine point four million dollar fine. They basically together are saying that this was not intentional, like they obviously wanted to provide these products to the influencers and they wanted them to use them. But at the end of the day, like there is this very thin line between advertising and influencing, right? Because the whole idea of an influencer is that you send them the product and they hopefully will use it and hopefully like it and then hopefully say nice things about it organically. But the FTC started enforcing disclosure a few years ago because too many influencers were not disclosing that they received payment for uh, whatever they were talking about. Yeah. 
it, it's really fascinating to me because like, I don't know Will about you, but like I still find myself, there are some quote influencers that I do actually trust mm-hmm. and I find that their work is not necessarily influenced by the products that they receive or that their editorial content that's not sponsored is so bulletproof that the stuff that they talk about as an influencer, I actually feel has some valid points. Yeah. I mean, it's when do you start being an influencer and stop being a reviewer or like just a normal content creator? You know what I mean? Because like I have absolutely bought things because I watched a video of someone talking about it and being like, oh, I didn't know about this thing of like someone I already follow on YouTube and be like, oh, I didn't know about this thing. Now I want it. And like, is that person an influencer? Is that person a, a reviewer? Is Are they both? Like, is it only an influencer if they were sent the thing for free and then they gave their opinion about it? I don't know. It's, it's this whole thing is like messy and complicated, but like anyone who tries to pretend that like there is no one, you know, like, oh, I don't fall victim to advertising. Like, it, it doesn't work on me. It's like, well, that's not true. You might just not know, like, you're running into advertising because of stuff like this. And at the same time, you know, it says sponsored and you're still like, oh, you know what? Actually, this product looks good. Like, I think anyone who tries to pretend that, like, this stuff, whether or not it's legit and, like, above board, won't work on them, you know? Well, also, I think the line between reviewer and influencer needs to be a little bit higher than that because sure, how I many agree. tech sites get their well, review units for it free? It doesn't matter. I mean, I well, mean, alone. It, yeah, how many? Yeah. I mean, everyone, there, there will always be a subsection of Twitter or, or anywhere else online that's like, all reviews are paid for. These Disney shills giving Marvel good reviews and DC bad reviews. You know, I, I, I know for a fact that that's what's happening. Like, look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores. And I know that's outside tech, but it happens in tech, too. It's always given the iPhone a nine and the Pixel an eight. I can't believe it. Like, there will always be a group of people who are like reviewers are shills and, and hacks and, and frauds. And I agree that that line should be. But like, like there's a certain point of like. Do, do reviewers need to start being like, and I didn't get this for free or like, and I bought yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them do, Yeah, right? Like, like especially on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, especially on become YouTube. part of yeah. the culture yeah. where they'll say, either I bought this product outright or this product was sent to me, but nobody saw my content before it went up. I yeah. did not get compensation for this. And I do think that there needs to be clearer disclosure around when you were paid for something. De- oh, definitely. when you received that. it for free. Like, there's, there are levels of influencer behavior where, you know, the more popular you are, the more likely that you are going to get paid to say something because you are able to ask those companies to compensate you. You know, your time is tangentially more valuable. Whereas a lot of early influencers, before they get to that level, just want the free shit. And they want the free shit and they don't necessarily want to have to disclose that the company sent it to them because then it makes them not look as trustworthy unless they're putting like paid content or gift from whatever. And then the company obviously doesn't want to look like they paid for it because then if an influencer comes across as I just happened to receive this product or buy it and I liked it and I'm recommending it, that whole like transaction, that whole relationship with the reader or the viewer is different because then it just seems like, hey, I went to Best Buy and I found this thing and I liked it and I you know, wrote about it or I, I made a YouTube video about it. 
it's not nearly as clean cut as that. Well, and we've kind of done this too, even on like this podcast where, you know, we talked about the Pixel Watch, right? And, and I think we even said like, look, Google, like, you know, after a Pixel event, like, I, I didn't review it, but they they gave me a Pixel Watch and I wore it, while I, you know, and I was like, yeah, I don't hate it. I wouldn't pay money for it. And like, it was very upfront about that. And I, I, I think anything where you can like really cement that stuff, it, it, it does help whoever is listening or reading or watching you. But it's yeah, I don't know. It, it, to me, if someone says like this part is sponsored, this video is sponsored, this review is sponsored, whatever. It, it, to me, it builds credence too. is of like, no, look, like I can trust this person because they're telling me when something is sponsored as opposed to like trying to hide it or be sketchy about it. Yeah. And in this situation, as you said at the beginning, most of the people that said it's my favorite phone camera out there, especially in low light, thanks to night sight mode, I've been taking studio like photos of everything. And it's also great at helping me get stuff done thanks to the new voice-activated Google Assistant that can handle multiple tasks at once. Most of the people saying that had never actually seen or touched the phone. Uh, that's a lie. That's an ad. Right. Right? Right. You can pay somebody to say those words. That's sure. That's what advertising is. Yeah. Most people who are doing voiceovers for ads are not using the product when they're saying the thing. I saw lots of Pixel 7 ads. I assume that all the people, all the all the very stylish, very hip people in it were not actually using <laughs> Pixel 7. Very daily. young. Very, very young, all of them. Yes, yes, they all yeah, have and iPhones I guess, guaranteed. So, <clears throat> and then there's the other part about, like, for the big YouTube channels, a lot of them do standalone sponsored videos, and, like, they take a big reputational risk doing them. Yeah. Um, there was one, actually, that I found really interesting recently, it's uh, John Rettinger. So he used to run Techno Buffalo, yep. sold Techno Buffalo, start, you know, pivoted his I, own channel. I, I met him at a Snapdragon Summit. He was very nice. Yeah. Lovely guy. Yeah. Really, really good dude. He did a video on the history of Surface when the Surface Pro 9 and Surface, you know, the new Surface products came out. The actual video was sponsored by Microsoft. The thing about that is that he probably would not have made that video unless Microsoft hadn't paid him to do it. But the actual video was super interesting, right? It was something I probably would have watched on my own because it was literally just an editorial history of Microsoft. But chances are the script was overseen by Microsoft. They probably had a final say in what he could and couldn't say positive or negative about the brand or the products, right? Or he himself, and I, this is not singling him out necessarily to criticize, but just to say like, it's a very, very tight balancing act. He probably didn't want to make the client uncomfortable because at the end of the day, they're a client. And the things that you say when you're paid for something, even if they're not necessarily enforcing it, you're going to want to put them in positive light because you want the client to return. So it is very similar to any client advertiser transaction. And like that's just something to keep in mind. So there's a lot of really good sponsored content out there. Most sponsored content, however, is not great. And as long as you're disclosing it, it's not a problem. Anyway, it's just interesting that Google got into hot water here, that it happened three years ago, and that they're only being fined for it now. A lot of this probably comes down to Lena Khan and the fact that this is a more aggressive FTC than in previous administrations. But yeah, just something to keep in mind there. Okay, let's now pivot and talk a little bit about upcoming Pixel phones. Will, we have our first sort of render that looks legit of the Pixel 7a. Walk us through it. 
Yeah, so these renders come from it was it was on leaks in in collaboration with uh, Smart Pricks. I ho- I hope I'm saying that right. It's I think it's like, Smart Price. Is it Smart Price? It has an X in it. You don't. I know, but French. Yeah. All right. All right. You're Canadian. You you don't. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's Smart Price. <laughs> um, or Priest. All right. Fine. Or smart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess Smart Priest. I could I could see more than anyway. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um. Yeah, so they actually, to you know, lend some credibility to these, they published early renders of the, the Pixel 7 in February, um, and obviously we didn't see that phone until May, which if you go back and look, other than like the color and the, the finish of the band, they're, they're correct, right? Like notably the way the camera bar blends into the frame of the phone is there in those like super early renders. So it was really just a walking down the color kind of thing, right? It still has the two-tone of the Pixel 6 in those renders. They're not 100% accurate, but they give you a good idea of the phones we ended up seeing. With that said, we have renders from them of the, the Pixel 7a, and I know this is not a visual medium podcasting, um, so what I want you to do is picture the white Pixel 7 in your head, and uh, that's what the renders look like for the, for the Pixel 7a. Just, they just, you could tell me these are renders of the Pixel 7, and I believe you, they look identical. We have dimensions coming out of this too, the dimensions are almost identical to the 6a so they are oh god let me get these numbers right it is uh the pixel 7a if these dimensions are correct will be 0.2 millimeters taller 0.1 millimeters thicker and 1.1 millimeters wider than the pixel 6a so that is you i don't think you'll be able to tell even if you're holding the phone side by side it's a pixel it's a pixel phone yeah the dimensions I mean, this are looks... just just enough different to where you're going to need a different case Oh well, obviously you can't. We can't have you reusing accessories. The white, I mean, the 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 camera bar will also have different dimensions. So yeah, that's true. I don't think anyone's surprised by this. Like I, I kind of assumed this is what it would look like, and and this is kind of our earliest confirmation that this is probably what it'll look like. I think a slightly smaller, more affordable Pixel Seven. Like I don't think that's a bad thing. I am confused. Once this arrives why you would buy a seven but that'll be a conversation for a time where we have more concrete details about the 7a i mean it does seem like they have pretty much identical specs yeah uh, 90 hertz refresh rate yep. and wireless charging the camera will be different like this is it's sounding like it's basically using the pixel 6's uh like camera lineup but that the pixel 6 took good photos so like yeah. I, I i again like it's going to be one of those things where it's like, am I going to recommend the regular seven to anybody once this phone, which will be cheaper, is on the market? Like, probably not. But again, you, n- you never know. So long as mm. the 7A has the wireless charging, probably not. If the 7A still fails to have wireless charging, then you're going to recommend the Pixel 7 whenever it gets on sale. Because sure. just like the Pixel 6 going down to like 500, 450, 400 at uh, primarily access. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it. Yeah. It all depends on that. It's it's rumored to have five watt wireless charging, which is pretty slow, but it will be there. Yeah. So. I was gonna say I don't need the wireless charging to be fast. I just needed to be more freaking consistent than literally every pixel before. <laughs> I just that part I don't really understand. Like you're not likely saving any money limiting the charging speed to five watt yeah, other than just oh, no, 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 making no. it a it's, point of comparison. It's not that. It's that the way that Google did fast charging is kind of like the same way that Samsung and Apple did it. So it's proprietary and that just means that it takes more time and there are fewer chargers that will work well with it for the actual fast charging. So just saying, oh, this is a five watt charger on the spec sheet 
allows them to say, okay, we're not getting into any of the high speed whatever. It's probably the same charging coil that's in the 7. Right, but the latest Qi standard, I think, is is faster than 5 watts. It and is. Every, every single Pixel phone since, what, the Pixel 4, 5, has supported extended power profile, which is 15 watts. So it just doesn't make sense why they would purposefully limit this to 5 watts just to make it slower. I don't think it'll save them any money on the BOM. Is it just but, a, well, we have to differentiate this from the 7 somehow. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, it sounds exactly that. Like yeah. we're giving the 7A everything the 7 has, except for limiting its wireless charging speed by you know 75%. But that does appear to be the biggest difference. I'm sure the screen will be lower quality compared to the 7. The battery size might be a little bit smaller. The bezels around the screen look a little bit bigger, but overall, like you're getting 95% of the Pixel 7 for 75% of the cost. If they keep so, the price at $450, yeah, I, I just like, like I said, I don't. They can't put it any higher. They, like, the well, they, they could go to five. I think they could go to five. I don't think, but yeah, no, one, the, the Pixel 7's price really caps them unless. I don't know, unless they hold... No, they wouldn't hold this for the Pixel 8 launch and raise the... No, yeah, they, they, they're they really... If they launch this in the summer, they're really capped at 500, I think. Yeah. I still think that would be too close. That That's a it, matter of, at that point, it just pushes you to the 7 for the faster wireless charging, faster display, and... um Oh, God, what was the third one? And more RAM. Yeah, it's not like Google would be alone in that, though. Like like Apple's current iPhone lineup is kind of like that, where it's like you can basically make an argument to just keep jumping up $100 as you look at iPhones. The 13 to the 14, I believe, is $100, and, and you don't get that much more for your $100. It would be the same thing with the 7A and the 7. So we'll see. I, I keep waiting for them to raise that $450 price point because inflation and profits and et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know. I, I think 450 is likely. But, but. Did, I don't think they have any incentive to raise it. Being at 450 keeps them in like the upper range, but still a mid-range phone. A hundred percent. I yeah. I don't and think the Pixel, so. Like the Pixel A series has just ruled mid-range phones for Android for as long as it's been a thing in North America. Right. I, I yes, also think in we North have America. to we have to keep in mind here that we're looking at pricing from a North American perspective. It's possible they're going to launch the 7A in markets where the 7 didn't launch and make it a bit more competitively priced against the Oppos, Vivos, and Xiaomi's of the world. That might just be a different strategy compared to previous years. Like, we, we really don't know. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, other than that, though, there really isn't much interesting about this other than the fact that we are almost assuredly going to get a really high-quality mid-range device in mid-2023. But that said, like the 6A right now, it was going for $300 most of last week. Yep. I think it's still on sale. I think you can still get it for like $370, which is not, you know, but it, it basically hasn't been at full price in the, in the last like three months. Yeah, but it's been $150 off most of this month. And that's the by far the best deal oh, absolutely. On, a, on a phone yeah. in North America right now. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on. OnePlus is changing its Android phone update strategy. Will, give us the rundown here. Yeah, this is really simple too, just like the, the Pixel 7a leak. A year and a half ago, when they were still planning on merging Oxygen OS and ColorOS, they announced that they that move was going to be able to allow them to offer, I, I believe it was three major OS upgrades and four years of security patch support for 
most of their flagships starting with i want to say the one plus eight i don't have that article open though but yeah for most of their flag like recent flagships and moving onwards today they announced or as we're recording they announced that they are moving to four major os upgrades and five years of security patch support starting next year for select devices so this does not apply to either of the one plus 10 phones this won't apply to Probably any of the Nords, this will basically be like OnePlus 11 and onward for flagship phones. But that's good news, right? Like it beats Google. It ties Samsung. Google's current support for Pixel 6 and beyond is three OS upgrades, uh, three guaranteed OS upgrades, I should say, and four or uh, five years of security patches. Uh, Samsung's current top tier plan for for like all, you know, S series and, and Z series phones is four and five, just like OnePlus. Where they lose out is like, well, it's one, it's the device support, right? So it's like the OnePlus 11 will be the only phone that falls under this for a while. Then there is timeliness, right? Because like OnePlus has never been quite as fast as as Google or Samsung. Like I feel like they've gotten better, but they're still not up with those two. And not that they'll ever hit Google speeds, but they're not even at Samsung speeds. And then the third one, and maybe the biggest one, is how often they push out updates. So I confirmed with OnePlus that they're keeping their security patches bi-monthly so that if you get an update in April, the next one will come in June and the next one will come in August and so on. So you're not getting patches every month, no matter what, even on the newest flagship. This is good PR for a company that needs it. <laughs> yes, right? it sure is. That, this is. It's only good PR if they actually keep to the promise this time. And I'm sorry, but I think no, but that's what I'm saying. Is... Obviously, the devil yeah. is in the details here. And we are talking about a, a bunch of different things. One is what Will had mentioned about timeliness. Now, <laughs> I totally messed up and I thought that OnePlus was pretty bad about its update speeds and I said a whole bunch of stuff and we re-recorded <laughs> it. So this is the re-recorded version, uh, mea culpa. I really didn't think OnePlus, I hadn't been keeping track, right? I don't use a OnePlus phone very much, so I hadn't been keeping track. But they did great this year. They rolled out OnePlus uh, Android 13 to the OnePlus 10 Pro in September. They rolled out Android 13 to the OnePlus 9 and OnePlus 8 series earlier this month in November. Uh, so it does seem like they're doing well. That hasn't always been the case. And as Ara pointed out, like Android 13 was not a huge update uh, in terms of like backend, you know, structural changes. That said, like older devices, especially in the Nord series, are not very fast when it comes to updates. So that'll be something that we'll have to keep in mind. And the other part of it and I don't think anybody's going to disagree here, is that OnePlus updates tend to be buggy. That's really 100% buggy. true. Like that, it, it, and that's been an issue for years now where they'll push out an update and then it, it's like five days later, hey, sorry, guys. Um, turns out it bricked half of the phones that it hit. So we're pausing this for three weeks. And like, that's a problem. And it's been a recurring problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay. The first Android 13 ro update rolled out to these phones pretty quickly. But when did the update that actually got it right roll out? Or has it happened yet for some of these? Or like you said, this is such a small update that it's possible that that has been less of an issue over the last two months. It was certainly an issue with Android 12 and, and Oxygen OS 12. And I would expect that Android 14 is a bigger update than Android 13 was. And it's totally possible that this becomes an issue again, like 100%. And I want to give OnePlus the benefit of the doubt here. But the other thing to keep in mind is that Oxygen OS is a very different product than it was two years ago, right? It's basically color OS. So it 
aligns with Oppo's update schedule, right? Having a single, very, very large team with a shared code base that's only slightly modifying it for OnePlus means that they can roll things out more quickly. But it also means that if you don't like Oxygen OS today, you're probably not going to like it ever again because it's going to look like Color OS for the rest of time. So yeah, that's, I think on paper, this is fantastic, right? Especially with the fact that we're expecting a OnePlus foldable in 2023. We're expecting the company to kind of take a bit more of a stab at competing with Samsung in the US market, but more than they have been. Rumors are that there's only going to be one OnePlus 11 rather than two, which is interesting. Just called the OnePlus 11 rather than the 11 and the 11 Pro. All of these things kind of reinforce the fact that OnePlus has had a rough couple of years. The OnePlus 9 and OnePlus 10 were okay received, right? I I wouldn't say that they were particularly well received. And I certainly think in terms of like sales, they underwhelmed even OnePlus. So yeah, it's, it's really difficult. It's difficult to be a player in the major markets these days. So telling enthusiasts like us that you're gonna give four years of platform updates and five years of quarterly security patches, that's a pretty big deal. And I want to give them props for that. Definitely. I do just want to double down. Some of the best OnePlus devices of the last like two years have been the Nord series. It's not been their flagship. So presumably the Nord series will not be included in this. And that's just kind of a bummer because those are good phones for the price. Like we were talking about the, the Pixel 6a and the you know upcoming Pixel 7a. But like the Nord series has like done pretty well especially as like flagships have faltered and i would love to see oneplus adopt this for all of its phones and not a vague select 2023 and beyond device like category so you know it's interesting too because oneplus very quietly launched the n300 5g last month which is a very cheap and cheerful 5g phone mediatek powered but like We reviewed the predecessor to that, the N200. We reviewed the N10, the N20. We have an N300 review coming. (laughs) It's going to happen. Talking to Steven. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Steven has it. So all of these things kind of reinforce the fact that like, I don't know, it's interesting. It's kind of like the A series versus the mainline series for the Pixels, or even the A series for, for Samsung versus the S series, right? They sell in higher volume. They're... Not as good, but they're much more mainstream, much more mass market. And those are the phones that people are going to know OnePlus for, not the flagship 10, 11 Pros. Definitely. There's like multiple Nord phones that are like T-Mobile, basically T-Mobile exclusives, where like it's like a big partnership with them. And and you don't see that as much at like the flagship level. I mean, that's because T-Mobile is the only company willing to take a chance on OnePlus. Yeah, probably, probably, probably brightly. That's fa- like famously <laughs> yeah. T-Mobile. Oh, no. I mean, there's a reason that I've never, I mean, like I have some OnePlus phones now, but like I have been a Verizon subscriber since because my family was Verizon subscribers when I got my first phone in middle school. And there was a reason that I never tried the OnePlus One or the OnePlus Two or whatever. Any of the OnePlus phones that the early ones that everyone freaked out about was because, well, they were annoying to buy. But more importantly, that they weren't on Verizon and I couldn't use them, you know? Well, the, the Verizon doesn't sell the flagship. Uh, no, no phones, i don't think they ever have they're certified now they are but i took until like the six or the seven to to start working on verizon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. r.i.p the one plus seven pro with that like pop-up oh camera. the pop-up yeah. yeah love it love it still one of the best looking phones ever <laughs> 
All right, let's talk about the Twitter phone. I just no, I just I don't I don't know if I want I want to stay quiet during this segment. I just want you guys to, to talk about it. I've been talking it. a lot. I think Ara just... should talk about this. All righty, Twitter phone. <laughs> Give us the sort of background story here because there's a lot that like goes into the tweet that ends up with Elon Musk saying, "Okay, maybe I should build a Twitter phone." But like, what does that actually mean? Well, because Twitter has been deregulating its content moderation a bit and it's become less consistent and it's running a higher risk of getting pulled from the App Store and the Google Play Store because it probably won't meet their standards in six months to a year, maybe even sooner, unless somebody can lock him in a room and put content moderation policies back where they're supposed to be for a major social platform. It's going to be like like Parler. Not even, like, pulling it from Google. Like, it's going to reach the point that people can sue them for platforming hate speech. And no app, no app store will want to cover that. And it's all about advertisers not wanting to be on the platform. Yeah. Twitter saying, like, yeah. Apple is basically holding us ransom. It's, it's just a, a big mess. So the end result is, okay, well, if Google and Apple kick us out, we'll just build our own phone. With our own OS and our own app store, and then nobody can stop us. Which is really stupid. Which is for the, like several the reasons. stupidest <laughs> possible answer. To this. It doesn't even make sense. Like, first of all, you don't have to do that to get your app on Android. Like, yep. Epic Games has proved that, right? And so, like, whatever, like, you don't need a specific phone, but also, I don't even remember if we've talked about this in the podcast or not, but it's not like Twitter, like, Facebook tried to build a phone at its, like, arguably its height of, of, maybe not market share, but certainly popularity in the mainstream of, of, of people who would buy a, a Facebook and phone. phone tanked. And no one bought it. Twitter is loved by a very specific, very uh, sick group of people of which all three of us <laughs> are a member of. I was going to say, bro. <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, we're all on the boat. We're all on this boat. But, like, that's not the mainstream, right? Like, my mom's on Facebook. She's not on Twitter. She wouldn't buy a Facebook phone, let alone a Twitter phone. But also, it wouldn't solve the issue. Like, like you don't need hardware. <laughs> like, that's like, it's even beyond that. Like I said, you don't need hardware to offer your app should Apple pull the app from the App Store. It's just beyond dumb. And I've just thought of this, but the Fortnite comparison, no one left iPhone because they couldn't play Fortnite. No one is going to leave their iPhone because they can't download Twitter. It's just yeah. that simple. Well, I think if Apple was the exclusive carrier of Fortnite and, yeah. and, 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 it it was the biggest game in the world, which it is. Sure. Then maybe that would be the case, but it's not. Oh, and you right? can get Twitter um, on your web browser. Yeah. <laughs> like like on your phone. That's the other thing too. There have been workarounds yeah. to allow people to use services that are I mean, we we make fun of Twitter as like a website, and but essentially it is. It's a website, right? It's not a yeah. game. It's yeah. fairly easy to use. You can load it as a PWA and it works basically the same as a native app because there's not a whole lot going on. But this other thing too that like I mean what's relevant to an Android audience is that if Elon Musk ever decided to create its own version of the Freedom Phone or whatever it is, he'd do the same thing that every other scam artist that's launched a, 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 an Android slash like a Google list Android competitor does is they take a phone, a white label version of something that you can buy on Alibaba for ninety bucks, and they load a version of AOSP. Yep on it and they so they quote fortify it with their own security protocols where it's basically running either micro g or 
an app stack that does not have any Google APIs, doesn't have GMS, it doesn't have anything to do with Google. None of the stuff you would want. <laughs> limits your ability to do basically anything on an Android phone, but you know, we'll right, ignore so that for a second. You would give up YouTube to browse Twitter. Like, like come on. <laughs> no, but YouTube has a website. I mean, you'd oh, give up basically <laughs> any native experience. Even yeah, Google Maps sure. has a website. Google Docs has a website. But using it on a phone, it's a nightmare. So it's not exactly something you're going to want to do. But more than that, like it ignores the fact that it's going to be running Android. It's not like they're going to ask BlackBerry to license QNX to resurrect <laughs> BlackBerry 10 so that you can create a, another competitor. It's not like Elon Musk is going to go to Microsoft and ask them to resurrect Windows Phone on behalf of Twitter users everywhere. Okay, but there but is... But hardware is what Elon understands. So it's like, okay, I can't fix oh. the software problem here. Let's let's try and attack this from a hardware perspective because that's what I know. And that's just... It's not going to work. Like, it so blatantly isn't going to work. Like, I, I haven't seen anybody at all, anywhere, who said anything other than this is dumb. Like, capital D dumb. And, and uh, I have an idea. You guys are missing the bigger picture, which is that Elon can win over so many people back in tech by bringing back WebOS. It's that easy. <laughs> nah. Uh, I mean, that's true because Twitter would run perfectly on a Palm, Palm uh, Pre. Palm Pre. Yeah. Or what was the small one? The Pixie? The Pixie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can he bring Pixie. back those ads too? Oh remember my those, God. Remember those weird ads of like, there was like a woman ads. just staring at you <laughs> like by a Palm. <laughs> Just talking at you for like three minutes. <laughs> I was talking with my friend about reincarnation. How come you can't remember your past lives was her ultimate question. Past lives. I left. Before this, I couldn't even keep track of all the ones that I'm living. Right now. We should link to that in the show notes Absolutely. just in case people haven't, haven't seen it for a few months or years. Absolutely. I go back to it every couple of years and I'm like, this is the best ad ever. <laughs> I can't believe um, this, this platform was a failure. You two are freaks. <laughs> so, but, but, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just honest, like obviously he may have been half serious, but like in the grand scheme of things, he wasn't serious. I think the no. really interesting part about this is his temper tantrum around being deplatformed from the App Store or the Play Store is all around Apple and Google's 30% cut. It's around Absolutely. the same issues that Epic took when it sued Google and Apple. Apple basically won every tenet of Epic's lawsuit, except for one, where Apple now has to allow for a link inside an app to let you navigate to a web browser to let you go through a purchase process. They are under much more heavy scrutiny in other countries, and they've been forced to allow third-party payment processors in other countries where they haven't in the U.S. But what this is clearly aiming to do is to get Republicans to support Elon Musk's view that Apple and Google specifically need to be regulated around their app store monopolies. And something that Google has done very Google's already very demonstrated rigorous. that that's not really a feasible thing for them because they already allow third-party app stores. Android well, that's what I'm saying. no restriction against those. Google has made the argument that Android 12 and Android 13 have made it considerably less onerous for third-party app stores to not only exist but thrive on Android, that they have lowered the number of warning prompts that come up when you try to load a third-party app store, 
They've tried to make it easier to launch default apps through there, et cetera. Like you can't whole hog replace the Play Store with a third-party app store, but they can exist side by side for all intents and purposes. Former AP owner Artem Ruskowski, like knows that APK Mirror is still one of the most important depots for free app distribution out there, right? We see it all the time. It's really easy to sideload on Android safely, I think. And this is not a problem really for Android anymore, except when it comes down to making money. Elon Musk is not incorrect in the fact that like, you can make it possible for people to load third-party app stores on Android while still making it really hard for those companies to make any money because the Play Store is not just the default physically, but it's the default in mindshare. When you're using an Android phone, that is the distribution model, right? Everything goes through the Play Store. Everything goes through Google Play services. Everything goes through GMS. And that will not change. And until that is structurally, Google is forced to decouple not just the Play Store, but like Google Play services and Google mobile services from Android, from a Pixel phone, from a Samsung phone, which I highly doubt that'll ever happen. The Play Store and that 30% cut is just one small part of this complaint. So obviously you're not going to have a nuanced conversation like that in a Twitter thread, but like that's clearly what he's going after. And we should mention that uh, the Twitter Blues re re rollout has been delayed now because of this 30%. So um, at, at least. Oh yeah. Less. Not because yeah. they definitely didn't figure out a solution to the. Um, the the core problem like the the, 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 the literally issue. the problem with it like the why it's broken from the start yeah absolutely anyway all right we're gonna go into our next thing we talked a little bit about the spotify youtube music apple music end of year roundup so we'll skip that all right you wanted to rant about some leaked galaxy s23 case colors no so, phone colors too phone colors she wants to okay. yell about beige Yes. Yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't mind a, a rant about beige because beige phones are are pretty bad. Okay, well, it goes back to just I've been writing about Android for I'm at about nine years now, so almost a decade. Phone colors on Android have sucked for so long. Like every now and again, we get like this real gem of a color. Hazel was pretty good this year. The Bora Purple this year from Samsung has been pretty decent, but by and large, phone colors outside of like the silver and the white and the black have just kind of been meh and samsung is always like they do a color of the year it almost seems like and for the s23 it's looking like that color is going to be beige because it started with the z fold 4 and it now looks like it's coming to the galaxy s23 series and i'm sorry the beige fold 4 only works because of all of its gold accenting and i don't think it will work anywhere else without looking either old-fashioned or gaudy or just wrong I, I believe the rumor is that the beige will replace white by the way that that was yeah, a rumor a month or two that ago blows so my mind. White, white's gone <laughs> like i've understood when previous years have been like oh purple is going to be this color of the year or we have burgundy or we have that green i liked the burgundy the burgundy that. it drastically depended on what device it was on i liked it on the s22 ultra yeah but I mean, we've also had bits where Samsung will have colors like a quote unquote olive green on the Galaxy A series and the buds, like just this awful baby puke green. And I, I want to know who 
who at Samsung is responsible for these. And then I want to take them to just like some art deco exhibits and show them like, hey, there are bold, there are fun colors out there. Why are we sticking with the most god awful shades of the most god awful colors in existence? I have a a conversation with my partner maybe once a month where she brings up the first iPhone she ever had, which was the yellow iPhone 5C. And she just demands, she's uh-huh. like, why don't they make this color? And why doesn't anyone make this color? This this bright, vibrant, all of the 5C colors were vibrant. And they did it for one for better or for generation. Worse. Yeah, I mean, but like, isn't that like, like that's, that's an option though, right? Isn't that kind of what it you're is. asking for? Of like, you just yeah, want. Yeah, no, I'm, I want there to be true color variety without it yeah. all just being like, okay, we have your standard black and then we have like two or three other colors, maybe one of which is decent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, a hundred percent, like there was a and reason. Like this, Google seems obsessed with green, but it's been, cause it's been obsessed with green since pixel five at this point. And yet only like one or two of the greens they've done has truly been green. Good. And yeah. And truly been green. One of them was like Yours almost black. T- <laughs> like Yeah. Well, I'm not counting the pixel 5A. Fine. Fine. We don't count that. It was technically That's, green on paper. It was technically green. It was just black that made your camera photos look weird <laughs> when you took pictures of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, on the Pixel 5, the Pixel 6, and then the Pixel 7, the one on the 5 was okay. I wasn't as super duper in love with it as the rest of my colleagues were when I was over at AC because uh, a couple of y'all were just like really into it. The green on the Pixel 6 was either a very much love it or a very much hate it, and I was in the hate it category, although I know that uh, Sarah, I think, really liked it. And then one of y'all said that y'all really liked the green on I the Pixel I have the green Pixel 6. I, I like the, it a lot. Look, I, I don't know. I don't even know why you're, you're like, complaining about this. Like, Pixel <laughs> colors are... The orange on the 4. Good. Bring that back. Yeah, like, no, but the, I mean, any like, color green was is the better o- than nothing. Green was the only color color on the... Pixels 6a and the 7. Like we had white, we had black, and we yeah. had green. You know, th- this is I, I'm I'm just realizing that if if Google in 2019 had just spent its entire iHeartMedia ad talking about how orange the phone was, they orange. wouldn't have gotten fined. I'm just saying <laughs> at all. And they, in fact, everybody who was uh, paid f- to use those phones actually would have used yes, them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they were objectively incredible, f- incredible. F- uh, colors. No, I loved my orange Pixel 4 XL. Yeah, and I loved that cobalt blue Pixel 1 and the lavender Pixel 3a. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I need Google to do like a 2023 for Google should be like a best of color series because we have some of the pastels for the lower panels and we have some of the like bold ones for the top. Just give us the colors that we miss and everybody will be happy. But for Samsung, nobody will like, be happy because Samsung- nobody's actually going to use their phone without a case. So that's true. This entire That's conversation what clear is clear cases mo- are for. Clear cases, because no, then they get discolored and they're so bad. they're gross. They feel gross in your hand. Yeah, they no, suck. I I I don't know. It just makes. I bought a purple iPhone 14 and uh, and I st- I have it in a black case because I don't like clear cases. Like I bought a clear case. I was like, then this is the year. Purple Didn't case. Like it. It's Apple. They have cases in every color. Yeah, but under then you're the just side. asking for color for for cases in different colors. You don't care about the phone color anymore, and I just want case colors no because you, you you need the phone color and the case color to work together 
Because there's always some bleed through. Also, Apple's cases are like $60. So I'm not paying $60 for a phone case. Yeah, we should rant about how uh, expensive cases are. $60 have for become. an iPhone case, you're definitely looking at the wrong brand. No, you, look, for, I, you said pick up an Apple case. The Apple case I, is. I said the, pick up an iPhone case. Not necessarily Apple's. Apple's <laughs> okay, cases right. are so overpriced. Like, yes, I know, I they know. They put Samsung to shame. And Samsung is shameless when it comes to their case pricing. But anywho, I have gone well beyond my one minute. So we I can told I should have used my stopwatch. Yeah, <laughs> we should have like the the, the really obnoxious like. Eh, at the end of it. If Give Jules wants one, to one, put that in, feel free. Jules can put that in, but there will be three minutes <laughs> further discussion after it. Yeah, exactly. No, he can just do it on just, every minute afterwards. Oh, there we go. Yeah, blatantly ignoring that limit. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's end things there. Uh, we've we've kept okay. everybody for an hour, which I think is uh, a fair amount of time to ask them. Uh, we love hearing from you, so if you um, if you want to send us some feedback, tell us what music you've been listening to this year. Uh, we will come back maybe next week, maybe the week after, talking about our favorite products of 2023. Yeah. Or tell me what you bought on Cyber Monday. I'm gonna do an an- Andor know. spoiler cast. We're gonna. We're oh my god! Talk. You and I should oh, just yes. like talk about Andor for an hour. Should. That would be incredible. <laughs> Legitimately, my favorite series of the year. I. It, it's just yeah. A, it's my favorite series of the year. We all just it's need so to do a podcast, just the two of you, and then that can just be a special episode that we release at Christmas. Yeah, that's the Christmas episode. <laughs> Done. I will do. I will talk I will about do that. TV with Will. Yeah. All day, every day. This is like, I kept on. So I saved the last two episodes of Andor <clears throat> because I wanted to watch them back to back. And I tried so hard to avoid spoilers and I yeah. did. Uh, and it was it was worth it. It was incredible. And then the post credit scene, oh, it was great. It was great. The whole thing was great. Yep. Uh all right. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that next week. I'm really excited. So um <laughs> send us email podcast at androidpolice.com. You can find Will at Will underscore Saddleberg. You can find Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find me at journey dan and all of us at android police so until next week i hope you had a very very productive black friday and cyber monday i hope you bought all of your gifts because christmas is just around the corner uh and if you didn't uh, we'll have lots more suggestions for you on the site so check them out until then have a great week talk to you later Bye-bye. bye bye bye